Hey there, it's Kate. Our daily podcast will be back Monday. But today, we're coming to you with the fourth episode in our series, To the Moon. If you missed episodes one through three, you'll want to listen to those first. You can find them in your journal feed. Last week on the show, an upstart app called Robinhood gave novice investors the keys to trade. Like, imagine, like, your dad buys a Porsche and the keys are hanging there and he's like, don't drive it, but I'm going away for six months. Like, that's really how it felt. Today, we've got the story of what some of those people did with that power. Here's producer Annie Minoff. When GameStop shares started climbing in mid-January, there was this meme that was going around. It originated on the Reddit forum Wall Street Bets. The meme is a video. It's a riff on a scene from the epic war movie 300. In it, 300 Spartans defend their kingdom against a massive Persian army. Except the memer has recast this story. The Persians, the bad guys in this movie, are labeled in big white letters, Melvin Capital, after a Wall Street hedge fund. The Spartans, the movie's good guys, are labeled Wall Street Bets. And at the head of their ranks is their general, a Wall Street Bets user known as Deep F***ing Value. This is where we hold them. This is where we fight. The battle horns sound. And the two armies crash together. They're locked in a vicious battle over GameStop. So there's a lot that you could unpack here. What struck me, though, watching this meme is that it was the first time I'd ever seen a bunch of individual investors working together, thinking of themselves as a collective. The message of this meme is stick together. The message is... Hold! Hold. Don't sell. Today, we've got the story of how this meme played out in real life, when a bunch of small-time traders banded together to wage war on Wall Street. And it all starts with that guy at the very front of the Wall Street Bets army. Deep effing value. You're listening to To The Moon. This is episode four, Diamond Hands. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. Julia Verlaine covers the financial markets for the journal. And in the middle of the GameStop surge, she was at home in Rhode Island when she got an unexpected call. My editor calls me up and he says, are you up for a little bit of a mission? And I said, okay, what is it? And um, he says, well, this might be an epic fail and a total waste of your time, or it might be a really good story, but we think we've figured out who the lead Reddit guy is behind GameStop. The journal was on the trail of a major story. They'd found Wall Street Bet's original GameStop evangelist. They'd found deep effing value. 
debuffing values started betting on GameStop more than a year before the surge. He inspired other users to buy GameStop. And when shares spiked in January, deep effing value, or DFE, became a multimillionaire. He became this kind of mythical figure on Wall Street bets for people, but people didn't know who he was. Now Julia was being drafted to help solve the mystery. Her editor told her that some colleagues at the Wall Street Journal had located DFE in a Boston suburb. We have his address, and it's about two hours away from you. So I just literally jumped in the car. I get to this suburban town, and I kind of pull up the street, and I see all these cute little Cape Cod houses off a main road. And I look for the number, the house number I was given, and I see this plastic slide that you have for a child out front. As Julia walked up to the door, she could see through the living room window. There was a couple sitting on the floor, playing with their toddler daughter. When she knocked, the man answered, He was tall, with chin-length brown hair. Polite. And I said, I'm a reporter from the Wall Street Journal. My name's Julia Verlaine, and we're doing an article on GameStop, and I'd love to speak to you about it because my understanding is you're a key figure on Reddit forums, and we'd love to do an article on you. And um, he was quite hesitant. But Julia was persistent. And eventually, DFB agreed to meet her at the restaurant at the hotel where she was staying. To this day, she's the only reporter he's talked to about GameStop. He didn't respond to multiple interview requests for this podcast. He walks in on time, very laid back, jeans, a beanie hat with a classic Nintendo controller on it, hands in his pocket, just tall. You could tell he was a track runner or had done some sort of sport like that. What's his real name? Keith Gill. Gill is in his mid-30s. He grew up in Massachusetts. He was a college track star. And until recently, he worked in marketing at Mass Mutual. In a conversation that wasn't recorded, he explained to Julia how he became the accidental leader of a Reddit army. It started well before other traders got into GameStop, in 2019. He was interested in this stock for years. He had done a lot of fundamental research on it. He had bought some call options, and he held on to the position for a while. And on his social media account on Reddit, he posted the returns that he was getting. Gil's posts on Wall Street Bets are straight-up YOLO posts. They showed him making a big, bold bet. Gil had spent $50,000 on bullish GameStop options, betting that the company's stock price would go up. And every month, he'd post a screenshot of his brokerage account to update the forum on how his trade was going. From the beginning, these posts got attention. And not the good kind. Here are some of the comments. Why anyone would play GameStop is beyond me. You can't be serious. Oh, no, 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 no. Please liquidate ASAP. People would be like talking about DFV and his uh, YOLO update. That's Michael Yeoman, the electrician and Wall Street Bets member we met in episode one. And uh, you can see some of his early posts. He basically got laughed out of uh, Wall Street Bets. They're just like, what are you what are you doing? You honestly have a better chance playing roulette. Why would you do something like this? Sell. ASAP. Wall Street Bets users told Gil that GameStop was washed up. Nobody bought games there anymore. Please sell. But Gil didn't. He held on. And he'd explain why in posts he made on another social media platform, YouTube. On YouTube, Gil went by Roaring Kitty. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Roaring Kitty. 
This channel revolves around live streams where I share my daily routine of tracking stocks, performing investment research, and a whole bunch of boring stuff like that. Gil's roaring kitty videos are charmingly lo-fi. This is clearly a guy streaming from his basement. They're also goofy. Gil would wear a red Rambo bandana or a shirt with a cat dressed up as a wizard on the front of it. And in video after video, Gil would make the case for why GameStop, a brick-and-mortar video game store, was actually a good investment. Yo, what up? The GameStop thesis is super simple, but it's often misunderstood. Yes, the legacy business is up against some very real secular risks, and the new consoles coming out this year might be the company's last hurrah. But this isn't some horse and buggy sh**. What was his argument about GameStop? His argument about GameStop was that fundamentally the company was going to turn itself around when there would be all the new console rollouts. GameStop can opportunistically leverage the console cycle to transform into a more sustainable gaming-related business. He also thought it was considerably undervalued for a sector that would do really well in the future with gaming and new consoles. That was his basic thesis. The new Xbox and PlayStation 5 consoles would be coming out soon, and Gil thought those new console sales would give GameStop a boost and a chance to reinvent itself. And month after month, he stuck to his bet. He did not sell. In fact, he added to his position. And then late last summer, his gamble finally started to pay off. First, activist investor Ryan Cohen got involved in GameStop. The share price ticked up. Then GameStop announced a new partnership with Microsoft. The stock ticked up again. Gil's GameStop bet was finally making money, even if it wasn't always for the reasons he'd predicted. And on Wall Street Bets, people noticed. And the comments on his YOLO posts started to change. Teach me, master. This man is the epitome of diamond hands. Agreed. Diamond hands incarnated. True diamond hands. Congrats. On Wall Street Bets, diamond hands means a trader with conviction. It's the opposite of paper hands, the trader who caves under pressure and cashes out. Keith Gill had held tight to his GameStop bet through five-digit losses. And by September, he was sitting on a million-dollar gain. And he still wasn't cashing out. Gill's diamond hands convinced other people that GameStop was a good buy. People like Michael Yeoman. I see DFV's YOLO post, and it's like, I put a million dollars in this, and I'm like, holy cow. If someone has a million dollars capital... And I see all this good news about GameStop. I mean, this seems like a really good idea. And so that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to buy some. Michael bought about $50,000 of GameStop stock. And he wasn't the only one. In the comments on Gil's posts, people talk about following, quote, the general into GameStop, buying their own shares. It helped the GameStop cause that more people were looking at Wall Street Bets and Gil's posts than ever. The pandemic got a lot of people into stock trading. They were stuck at home with nothing to do, stimulus checks in their pockets. And with the market going gangbusters like the pandemic never happened, a lot of people jumped in. Americans opened 10 million new investment accounts last year. And even people who were already trading got in deeper, like Dan Sanders. You met Dan in episode one. He's one of the Wall Street Bets traders. You know, I'm extremely bored. You feel powerless. You know, you're in a situation you can't really control. I think I felt like I just wanted to do something. 
to A, better my life at some point, but B, just to feel like I was had any control over my own life. Dan's pandemic experience was more intense than most. Because he has cerebral palsy, he knew he'd be at particular risk if he got the virus. So he was super careful. I wanted to lock down basically on March 9th. So I was full work from home, started having my groceries delivered. I've pretty much left my apartment like once a month. And that's when Dan noticed a thread on Wall Street Bets about GameStop. That's how it started for me. And I started researching that on my own. And then in doing that, I found the Roaring Kitty Guy on YouTube. And there was one point that Gil made in those videos that really stuck with Dan. Here's Gil as Roaring Kitty last August. GameStop is by far the most heavily shorted company in the market, with short interest of around 100% of the float. 100%? Can you believe that Keith Gill had noticed that there were a lot of short bets against GameStop. A whole bunch of big Wall Street investors were betting against the company. If GameStop's share price fell, those short sellers stood to make a lot of money. But if the stock price actually rose, like Gill thought it could, those Wall Street short sellers could find themselves in an apocalyptic situation. A short squeeze. Okay, so this next part is important. It is basically the roadmap for everything that happens next. When you short a stock, what you're actually doing is borrowing that stock from someone. Right after you borrow it, you immediately sell it. Your hope is that the stock price will go down. So when you have to return the stock, you can buy it back cheap, give it back to the person you owe it to, and you pocket the difference. You sell the stock high, buy it back low, and you make money. But what if you're wrong? What if the price of the stock doesn't fall? What if it actually goes up? You, the short seller, still have to return that stock that you borrowed. And the only way to do that is to go out and buy the higher price stock and return it. In GameStop's case, there were a lot of short bets against the company. And if the stock went up, all those short sellers would be out on the market trying to buy up GameStop shares to get out of their bad bets. In the right perfect storm conditions, short sellers' own demand could push GameStop's share price up explosively. That perfect storm moment when the stock price shoots up, that is a short squeeze. If you owned GameStop shares when the squeeze happened, your stock could suddenly be worth a lot of money. Not that Keith Gill was banging on any of this. this is, I, mean, I don't know enough about the mechanics of the market to, uh, to be sure about that type of thing. I'm not betting on a short squeeze, but it seems like something where it could take place. I don't know. I, we just got to see what happens. Dan Sanders found Gill's short squeeze analysis compelling. He really laid it out with data, not so much cheerleading, not like, I hope this is going to happen. In fact, he wasn't as so much interested in the squeeze, which kind of helped me listen to him a little more. A lot of Wall Street Bets users liked the idea of a short squeeze. They saw it as a chance to get rich, and get rich off Wall Street's losses. In December of 2020 alone, over 40 Wall Street Bets users posted about a possible GameStop short squeeze. And then, one week in mid-January, it seemed like the squeeze might actually be happening. GameStop's share price started to shoot up. <laughs> Let's go! Show me the tendies, everybody. Show me the tendies. This is Gil's Roaring Kitty livestream from January 13th. 
Wendy's is Wall Street Bet slang for a big gain. It's short for chicken tenders, the food of Wall Street Bet's champions. Keith is holding up a heaping plate of them and sipping from a flute of champagne. Let's go! Dun, dun, dun! Dun, dun, dun! Has it begun? Had the GameStop short squeeze begun? The answer, according to some analysts, was yes. GameStop's share price jumped 60% on January 13th, from 20 bucks to 30 bucks. For how many months, for how many months have people been like, oh yeah, this is just a short squeeze. This is just a short squeeze. This is just short. And all of us are like, what the hell is going on? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? It's not a short squeeze, not a short squeeze. And for the first time, did you finally see, for folk, if you're watching the price action, that is, that's where you start to see a little bit of panic. It's the first time we've kind of seen it where it's like, oh, it, it's got like this squeezy type feel. But in this video, Gil doesn't linger on the short squeeze. He's too busy celebrating his gains. That day, he'd posted a screenshot showing almost $6 million in his brokerage account. I mean, dip it, can you dip it in champagne? It is a tendy. That's kind of weird. All right, uh, I won't do that. Mmm. Mmm, Gil was triumphant. But for a lot of Reddit traders, the battle was just beginning. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. This episode of The Journal is brought to you by KPMG. At KPMG, we make the difference. It's not just something we say, it's what we do. We work closely with clients to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity, develop bold solutions that innovate industries, and create better outcomes driven by data. Brighter insights, bolder solutions, better outcomes. It's how our people make the difference. KPMG, make the difference. Around the same time that Keith Gill was enjoying his plate of tendies, Juliet Chung got a tip. Juliet is the journal's hedge fund reporter. She covers some of the folks on the other side of the GameStop trade. And she heard something that caught her attention about one of the hedge funds that she covers, Melvin Capital. It's a big New York hedge fund. It bets on and against the stock of public companies. They're known as smart investors who do a lot of work and they're considered to be one of the best short sellers in the industry. And I'd heard from several people that Melvin was down 15%. And that's a pretty big loss so soon into a year. And that's what caught my attention. How? Why is this really well-respected hot hedge fund down so much so early into the year? She'd get a big lead on an answer from another tip from her sources. This tip was a meme. I want to back up for a minute and just say it's not very common for hedge funds to be memefied online. Is this the first hedge fund meme you had seen? I think so. I think so. And yeah, you know this meme. This is where we hold them. This is where we fight. And I thought, what is going on? Like, let me dig, let me dig into this. What was going on was that a new dynamic had emerged on Wall Street Bets. 
new traders were jumping into GameStop. Some were in it just to make a quick buck. But for others, the point was to make Wall Street bleed. Here's how this works. So remember how during a short squeeze, short sellers try to buy up shares of the stock that they've shorted? The fewer shares available out there to buy, the more expensive it is for short sellers to get out of their bad bets. By holding on to their GameStop shares, by not selling, Wall Street bets could make a bad short squeeze even worse for short sellers. That was the theory. All they had to do was hold. Or even better, buy more GameStop shares. Buy, 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 buy. Every little bit we can keep from Melvin the better. Let's get Melvin and squeeze them. These Wall Street bets comments are pretty typical. Don't get scared. Hold. Diamond hands. The battle cry on Wall Street bets was diamond hands. And their unofficial general was deep effing value. He went viral unintentionally. Here's Julia Verlaine again, the reporter who met Keith Gill. He didn't seek that out. And then what happened was, you can almost say that everyone around him on Wall Street Bets turned him into this mythical hero that he didn't set out to be. How did he feel about kind of the anti-Wall Street kind of sentiment that became so much a part of this movement? I think that was another one. He didn't like to be associated with that, actually, because he didn't personally feel that way. He was very articulate about saying, I don't have it out for hedge funds. I don't have it out for banks. I'm just sitting here putting on a trade that I believe in, and I just like to learn how to invest, and I want to share my strategy with people. He did not want to be associated with that evil hedge funds, let's take them down element that started emerging on the Reddit forums. But by this point, the GameStop movement was much, much bigger than Keith Gill. And as more and more small-time investors jumped in, and as the people with shares kept holding, the plan to take on the hedge funds seemed to be working. The losses were just mounting. Juliet saw it at Melvin Capital. Melvin had shorted GameStop for years on the theory that its business model was outmoded. But now, Melvin was hurting. Thursday, January 21st, they were down roughly 15% for the year. By the end of the next trading day, they were down roughly 30% for the year. And then the next few trading days were just brutal, not just for Melvin, but for other hedge funds. D1, Maple Lane Capital, Point72, all these hedge funds were losing money. And not just on GameStop. This morning, Nokia is surging after... BlackBerry, they're up 32% today. AMC today, we saw that stock price climb 280%. It's caused Cost Corporation's value to go from $20 million to more than $300 million. Bed, bath, and beyond, that's another. I'm going to call it a casino stock. It's up 25%. As GameStop's share price rose, some Reddit traders started buying up shares of other highly shorted companies trying to kick off a GameStop-style short squeeze. Some investors also piled into options bets, which can create another kind of squeeze known as a gamma squeeze. The point is, as investors did all this, Wall Streeters' losses mounted. It seemed like a social movement at the time where, uh, you know, the, the kids were fighting back against the boomers. Bill Gross was one of those people facing big losses. Bill is a storied figure on Wall Street. In the 70s, he founded PIMCO, one of the largest investment funds in the world. These days, he's mostly retired. 
But when he heard about GameStop, Bill could not stay away. He was convinced there was no way this rally could sustain itself. And so he made a high-stakes options bet that the stock would fall. In which I thought it was pretty safe. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. And so what happened? It went higher, uh, and I was losing money, as I reported publicly. I, at some point, I was down, not bragging, but I, I was down $10 million, and it didn't feel very good. You know, I wasn't bankrupt, but there's a better use for $10 million than to give it to the, the GameStop boys and girls. Wall Streeters like Bill Gross were down millions, even billions of dollars. Meanwhile, the GameStop boys and girls were posting screenshots of million-plus-dollar gains including Keith Gill. His updates on Wall Street bets showed he was up $7 million, then $11 million, then $13 million. Here's reporter Julia Verlaine. Once he was up a certain amount, the question was, when is he going to get out? Why isn't he getting out? He's made so much money, he could just get out now. It's kind of like when you go to the casino and then somebody all of a sudden has like $10 million and they're still playing at the blackjack table. And you're thinking, why aren't you just going to stop playing at the blackjack table? You go out, you can be a millionaire. Your whole life is different. But his conviction was about the investment. That's kind of incredible to me because he even says on his YouTube channel, like, I'm not a rich guy. When I was building this position uh, last year, we had nowhere close to a million dollars. I certainly do not drive a Lambo. We rent this house that that you see, so... It's been a wild ride I mean, why not cash out? It's about the trade with him. It was about seeing where this trade goes, seeing this company evolve, seeing his thesis play out. I think you also get this, you know, why do hedge fund billionaires still trade? They could retire. They love the markets. They love the trading. It's about that. It's not about the cash. But to many on Wall Street bets, Gil's diamond hands also seemed like a statement. Hold. Papa is still in. He is still in. I'm buying more. My king is still holding. I shall not sell. Hold the line. And so many small-time traders held. To make money, to squeeze Wall Street, to show the world just what they were capable of. I'm so proud to have been lucky enough to have joined Wall Street Bets and to be trading at this glorious moment in history. Take my money, Wall Street Bets. I'm all in with GameStop. And absolutely none of this made sense to Bill Gross. You know, a group like this, you know, saying, hold on, just hold on, just hold on, and uh, praising each other over the Internet. It's like, what? you got to be crazy. You don't know anything about human nature. You know, somebody's going to get out first and then second, and then musical chairs will take place. Have you ever played musical chairs? You know, I said, these people can't stick together because human nature and history shows that they don't. Bill Gross couldn't believe that GameStop investors would hold. The temptation to sell would be too strong. And so, even though he says he was down $10 million, Bill Gross diamond-handed his bet and waited for the GameStop army to fall apart. Coming up, will Wall Street bets hold the line? Now it's starting to become real. Like, the chest is tightening, and all you can think about is, like, Stupid, stupid, stupid. I could have sold, I could have taken all my money, I could have had a modest several thousand dollar gain and left. But I don't have paper hands. That's next time on the final episode of To the Moon. 
This show is part of the Journal Podcast, which is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. I'm your host, Annie Minoff. Our producers are Josh Sanburn and Chris Neary. Our associate producer is Willa Rubin. We were edited this week by Katherine Brewer, Gerard Cole, Ryan Knudsen, Kate Leinbaugh, and Annie Rose Strasser, with help from Colin Campbell, Charles Farrell, Anthony Galloway, Martin Kessler, Aaron Kurloff, Sarah Platt, Lydia Polgreen, Jeff Rogo, and Willa Rubin. Special thanks to Caitlin Ostroff and Gunjan Banerjee for their reporting. Our engineer is Griffin Tanner. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Katherine Anderson, Peter Leonard, Billy Libby, Bobby Lord, Audio Network, and Extreme Music. Show art by Emil Lendoff. Fact-checking and research by Nicole Pasolka. Thanks for listening. The Journal Daily Podcast will be back on Monday. We'll be back with the final episode of To the Moon next Sunday.